I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Bob Huggins' Wikipedia page already has three paragraphs on yesterday's events. Oh, brother. His homophobic remarks on the Bill Cunningham show, then a paragraph on Huggins' association with Bill Cunningham and Tom Brenneman. Oh, gee, and really? Then, then university and fan response. There are some West Virginia fans that are probably meeting the uh, the stereotype about them. Like, you know, they're from West Virginia. They're from the hills. They're hillbillies. If you have that stereotype about them, it's the response you would imagine it is. A little bit split, but there are a lot of people think, saying, well, it's kind of a zero tolerance about these kind of things during this day and age. So uh, probably time to move on. But welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and just and Troy Coverdale. Just us two today. We're with you until 6 o'clock. Coming up at 510, we'll be joined by... K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Minnie, has completed his roster for the upcoming season. Get his thoughts on um, the two new cats coming in via the transfer portal and also uh, replacing Brian Osterman after 15 years being an assistant uh, coach and associate head coach to Jeff Minnie. He is now the new head coach for women's basketball at Emporia State. Uh, No, uh, West Virginia has not made a decision yet on Bob Huggins. The only thing we have from the university is a statement. Part of it says the situation is under review and will be addressed by the university and its athletic department. So they're reviewing it. I don't know if there's a whole lot to review. It's pretty cut and clear. Kind of got red-handed there. But uh, I'm sure there's some logistics to go through. Also, we touched on this yesterday. The... uh, The sports gambling. Alabama baseball coach, a couple of weeks ago, allegedly having somebody make bets for him in the state of Ohio, and now this where this is really blown up is Iowa and Iowa State. The University of Iowa announced yesterday that 26 athletes across five sports, that is football, men's basketball, baseball, men's track and field, and wrestling, Apparently, women don't gamble on sports at Iowa. That was drawing, actually, some humorous tweets that I was noting today. Uh, so, they're under investigation. And then you have Iowa State also in the mix. They have acknowledged that 15 athletes across three sports, that's football, wrestling, and track and field, also uh, suspected of violating 
gambling rules. So I kind of wanted to open it up here, Troy, just kind of picking your brain on this because you're the expert in this area. I don't know about expert, but okay. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert either, <laughs> but uh, I was looking into like, okay, so there are 30 states in the U.S. And I think this is the next step on the topic, right? Like, okay, investigations are underway. We know Iowa and Iowa State, a few other student athletes did something they definitely shouldn't have done. And now their NCAA eligibility is in jeopardy because that is, I mean, that's the rule. Mm-hmm. That's the NCAA mm-hmm. rule. If you gamble on sports, you are disqualified. It's Say sim- goodbye to your eligibility. Yeah, it's it's simple as that. It is laid out very bluntly in the rules. You've noted that you, know, you do not gamble on K-State games specifically, but as an employee of the university, you have to tread very lightly. Oh, absolutely. It's an interesting spot to be in, but yeah, you're looking at... a a hodgepodge of rules and it's not just the fact that the ncaa has their rule in place but you brought it up and that is that there are in some states laws that mirror mirror the ncaa reg essentially that would limit student athletes from being involved And there are other states that do not have that as a piece of their sports legislation. Yeah, I brought that up before the show. And I, so to give you kind of some specifics here, there are 30 states in the U.S. that have legalized sports gambling. And that's all happened in the last, boy, has it been about five years now? Pretty much, yeah. When it's been legalized? Yeah. Uh, And that that does not include Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. does have legal sports gambling. I'll be honest with you, it feels like whenever I've traveled lately with, uh, with case, well, I should say with K State, as in the NCAA tournament, when we went to North Carolina, mm-hmm. went to New York City, like mm-hmm. DY, and those are telling me, oh man, I should have, you know, I forgot to place my bets because it's, right. it's not legal there. So then you get shut down. Uh, but 30 states have it legalized. And then there are North Carolina, New Mexico, Wisconsin. It's very limited on what you can bet on. Like you can't bet on the apps. You got to go to an actual casino to place your bets. Uh, and that has to do with it's tribal casinos, so it has to do with that, right? Uh, and I don't know all the logistics behind that, but with that being said, twenty-five states have laws prohibiting athletes and coaches from betting on sports. Iowa is one of those sports. Kansas is not, and that's kind of the question, right? Like, okay, well, Kansas yeah. is one yeah. of those thirty states that have legalized sports betting. Is somebody about to narc on our universities and start pinging the IP addresses and now going to be exposing K-State, KU, wherever else student-athletes of gambling? I have a feeling that there already is a feeling that things are pretty well safeguarded right now involving the schools, but they probably had meetings already yesterday to start discussing even more maybe the safeguards that need to be in place for an athletic department further beyond given now what has taken place with Iowa and Iowa State um I mean you can all but assured be assured that K-State I'm you know had a compliance meeting yesterday oh I yeah and I don't know about that but I know like like when I was hired as a public address announcer like I had to sign a form that said I would not be gambling on any sports uh, and I would imagine that goes for every – I mean, it, that's that's the thing, right? It's not just student-athletes. It's right. coaches. It is university 
employees, even though I'm part-time and I'm basically, you know, I'm pretty much as low as you can get on the totem pole when it comes to university. Well, remember, Washington, the reason they fired Rick Neuheisel was because he was found doing a NCAA tournament bracket. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but there again, you're talking about over a decade ago now. Well, the thing is, though, like with the athletes, though, I, I, I'm, I'm sure absolutely has made, been made loud and clear that, listen, it is absolutely not worth even downloading the app to check it out because uh, y- your eligibility is on the line. If you yeah. get caught by anybody, you are you could be definitely screwed. Now, of course, you can appeal it, right? Yes. You can appeal these things. But who knows how that's going to, you know, you don't even want to put yourself in that kind of position. You're asking for so much trouble by messing around with that. I, I hope, you know, I guess it depends on the university, but they deliver that message loud and clear. Like, y- you make yourself maybe the most vulnerable by getting involved with it. Something that I find curious, you mentioned the, the states that do have in place versus states that do not have a law in yeah. place regarding student athletes and Kansas is one of them that does not have specific laws one of the things that is currently at play as it pertains to NIL is a similar patchwork California has NIL rules in place that are now going to extend to high school North Carolina has NIL rules in place for the college student athletes yet you're seeing a number of others that don't have anything in place whatsoever and leaving it up to the NCAA rules to essentially oversee the whole thing. And it's tough to get a handle on any of it because of the fact that some states feel that they have to be very proactive in the matter, and others feel like that they need to lay back and just let the NCAA handle it. And it's kind of turning into a legislative issue that's going to wind up on the national scale because the NCAA is asking Congress to make moves regarding NIL, which, I mean, come on, it's Congress. They're not going to make moves on something like that. Um, you know, But they want it done on a federal level. And so how much is the NCAA going to be pushing also for similar laws to be put in place by Congress on something like this? You brought up that I don't bet on K-State games. Uh, the last time I bet on a K-State game was football season 2000 and, let's see, this was 2007. Wow. The K-State-KU game. And I bet a friend of mine, 20 bucks, that K-State, it's football, <laughs> would beat KU. It was the home game. And, of course, that was the Josh Freeman is hungover rumor game. Ah, the and Ron Prince era. The Jordy Nelson, he beat Talib game, and K-State lost, and I was so hurt by that <laughs> loss and losing 20 bucks that I haven't touched the Cats since, because I'm bad luck. Oh, that's I, I, You know, the, the only luck I have with any sort of gambling is in blackjack, occasionally. Sure. The reason I don't play poker anymore because I lost one of the most bad hand lucks you could ever lose in, in poker. My straight flush <laughs> lost to a royal flush. That is a true story. Oh, and I man. haven't played since. I was like, if I'm going to lose to that, I shouldn't play. <laughs> I'm just, I don't have, because, I mean, like poker, I mean, it's, it's 80% luck. It really is. It's just the luck of the draw. 
what was the one I had the other night? I had a had a four layer parlay, and I nailed three out of the four. And <laughs> and of course, the fourth one comes up like two plays short. I, I mean, it's just it, it two two points short. See, that's the thing. I, I'm. I was reading something about it on, you know, the NCAA. The way they kind of, it's like an, it's like a brochure that they have available on their website that says like, sports gambling is a gateway to other bad habits and gambling. And of course, gambling can be very addicting. There's some very horrific stories I've heard about those being addicted to gambling. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm totally fine with just living through you. <laughs> And your one dollar bets on seventeen leg parlays, because it's it's a ridiculous bet, but it's also quite entertaining. Because like I'm sure others have had the same strategy. Listen, you take heavy favorites, like heavy favorites, and just bet all of them in one parlay, and you hope that it hits, and you turn a dollar into twelve dollars. That's it exactly. That that you know that that's you're trying to be efficient with your use of your money. Just like everybody else is. But as my grandma used to say, those dollars add up. Yes, they do. Absolutely they do. Oh, I believed it when I was ten. <laughs> when my dollar, you know, after a couple of Christmas cards turned into fifteen dollars, a couple of birthday cards, maybe twenty, twenty five dollars. Right. As an adult, you know, you're not making money. That's why, you know, Casinos are trying to make their money. That's why when you go oh. at night on a weekend, the cheapest table you'll find is a $15 bet. Right. That's how the money adds up. There's a reason you don't find dollar and hardly anymore $5 tables. So just as a as a point, this was what it was. Booker, 30-plus. Murray, 20-plus. My man, Nicola, 25-plus. DeAndre, 8 and 15-plus. Ayton had 13 you know what? This let me bring this up. I've been meaning to bring it up for a while now. Okay. Since we're on kind of on the topic. So Paul, who's our IT guy, let me know Uh-oh. a couple of weeks ago that you both are in a racing fantasy league together. What business do you have being in a is it NASCAR? A NASCAR I follow enough. Not do you? Yeah, it, yes and no. I mean, the other day, as soon as the NBA game ended, I had the NASCAR race on the radio as we were driving back at, from at Kansas Speedway. Yeah, but I was listening on the way back because we were had were on our way back from my mother in law's place. So as soon as the NBA playoff game that was on at the time finished, I switched back over then and listened to NASCAR the rest of the way. Man, life. NASCAR might might take more shots than pro wrestling does when it comes to like how do you watch that like. Because you know, racing is just zoom, 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 turn, turn, turn. I'll slip in, waiting and out. for the accidents. Yeah, I'll slip in and out of of the races to watch. I, I definitely get more into the Indy Five Hundred than I do uh, NASCAR. Is NASCAR but radio that entertaining? It it's entertaining because I love the production value. Because to put together that many people and be able to do it seamlessly the way that they do oh because there's a broadcaster for every turn is you that got right it. that's yep yeah. that and you've got your pit people and you know it's it's a constant stream of of play-by-play that is just intriguing to me to to pay attention to oh my god i think i'd get dizzy listening to that um they go to turn one all right let's go to turn two all right dale hurts in the lead he leads well, and, uh, and, Kurt and, Bush and, by two and they don't even necessarily say let's go to turn two it's just one of them picks up as you know as soon as they 
get to that point. It's it's there's there's a flow there that is just impressive. Of course, you know the funniest is driving on I seventy on the turnpike during the Indy five hundred. You feel like you're in it. Do you drive more wild than I do? No. Wilder? No. No. Did you notice I was like speeding the whole way to Kansas City? Yes, I did. Did you like it? <laughs> Were you like, all right, I like this guy. I, I was I was fine. Didn't bother me any. I just go with the pace of traffic. With the traffic, that's, he's got a nice pace. I'm going with it. That's kind of the idea, yes. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, I'm excited about this. Did a lot of research today because we've been talking, gosh, the last month about how many walks K-State baseball is generating this season, and it's a very high number. I was like, you know what? This is a special year. This is a good team. Are they knocking on the door of any other records? So coming up next, my top 10 list of K-State baseball records to watch for the rest of the year. That's coming up next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you, Troy, for that Game Sports update. You know, every time I hear the word or the name, city name, school name, Louisville, I hear, you know, Louisville, Louisville. 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 That's the thing. So every time I hear that, it reminds me of the movie Sarah Marshall. So here's a story, forgetting Sarah Marshall. So it's a scene where Paul, have you seen the movie? I have not. Paul Rudd's character is teaching Jason Siegel's character how to stand up on a surfboard. And every time Siegel's character gets up, he goes, no, 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 do less. You're doing too much. Do less. All right, pop up. No, you're doing too much. Do less. Do nothing. Do less. And that reminds so I dated a girl back in the day that went to school at Louisville. And I would say like Louisville or something like that. She's like, what did you just say? And she's trying <laughs> to teach me how to say Louisville. So I'd say like Louisville. She's like, no, say less. You're doing too much. It's, it's not that strong of a pronunciation. Nice. So it's like Louisville. That's it. Louisville. That's the pronounce. That's the way they like it to be pronounced, but nobody does. Got to have marbles in your mouth to say it. Louisville. Louisville. That's it. Yep. Louisville. Welcome back to the game, Mitch Troy. It's just us two. Speaking of Louisville, though, uh, Denny Crum passed away today at 86, the legendary men's basketball coach there. R.I.P. Yeah. One of the legends. Man, guy was tremendous, and that rivalry with Kentucky was stellar with him and Joe B. Hall. They went on to, by the way, host a radio show together for a while. Old rivals that became friendly enough to to do a radio show together. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh-oh. My, uh, I might have to restart my computer here because it kind of froze up. Ooh-ooh. Well, let, let, let me get this fixed here. Uh, meanwhile, I'll let you know that uh, the Batcats started three-game series at Oklahoma State on uh, Friday with first pitch at 6 o'clock. Pre-game will start at 5.30. Uh, let's see, I'm up and running now. All right, so we've talked a lot about walks. We've talked a lot about stolen bases, and it made me interested to go do some uh, thumbing through the record book because I was interested to see, like, you know what? This is a special year. Cats are over 30 wins now. 
Are they knocking on the door and breaking some net records? So my weekly top 10 list this week is K-State baseball records to watch as we're now at the, you know, down the final stretch, you know, the home stretch, the final turn of the regular season before they head down to Texas for the Big 12 championship. So let's get this thing started with David Letterman. Number 10. All right, so the team currently has 70 home runs. That's been the M.O. of Pete Hughes, power hitting. The team is six away for third most all time. That would mean the last three years are the top three highest home run seasons in program history, 89 and 21, 84 and 22, and right now in third place, 75 back in 1997. So they're going to get there. Six more home runs. It'll be the third best home run season all time. Number nine. Speaking with home runs, and I'm hoping to have this guy on the show tomorrow, is first baseman Roberto Pena, who currently sits at 15 home runs. He is two away from passing Dylan Phillips, Scott Popard, and Pat Maloney for home runs in a season in program history. This is the first year, and I believe last year, for Roberto Pena as a cat. And he's just going to come in here, <laughs> take the single-season home run title, and bounce. And to be quite honest with you, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. He just steps in, gets his best season he's ever had in his career, and he's going to be remembered for it because he's a power hitter. Now, his, you know, his strikeouts are a little high, but the hitting is there as well. He's been a very clutch hitter lately. He nearly had a 1,000 batting average for the weekend against Southeast Missouri. He just pounded the heck Number out eight. of them. I'm sorry, I didn't mean That's to cut okay. you off What you say? Yeah, he pounded the heck out of them. Number eight. On my list of K-State baseball records to watch is uh, for the rest of the season. Number eight, uh, let's get to stolen bases. Brendan Jones has 24 this year. And three more, as he's right now in 11th place all time, but three more will put him at fifth place all time. Now, this might one might be a little bit of a stretch, but the record is 43. I don't think he'll get there, but he'll definitely have an opportunity to climb the leaderboard. 43 stolen bases in a single season is held by Russ Ringenberg back in 1989. Why did I recognize and then go, oh, yeah, okay, it makes sense. Did I say that correctly? Because there's a few names in here that are from back in the day, and I'm kind of taking a guess on the pronunciation. No, you got it right. Number seven. Sticking with the stolen bases, for the season, K-State hit triple digits. Stolen bases this past weekend against SEMO. They now have 101. That is eighth most all-time. They're nine away from fifth place. I think they have the good shot of getting there. The record, again, may be a little bit out of reach. It's 149. And that goes back to 2009. But that's another piece of and what... If you ask Pete Hughes, is the biggest jump from last year to this year being aggressive, getting runners in scoring position? Because every time he steals a base, a runner is in scoring position. 101 stolen bases this year. Number six. On my list of K-State baseball records to watch for uh, for the rest of the season, number six, strikeouts per nine. And we're talking about K-State pitching, striking out, jabronis strikeouts per nine is currently at 9.1 troy do you like that number 9.1 
Yeah, I do. I'd like it better if it was like, you know, 9.9 or something along those lines. But Well, it's funny you say that because 9.9 is the record. Oh. 9.9 is the record back in 2021, 2021. Second place was last year, 9.6. Mm-hmm. This year at 9.1, that's third best all time. So like the home runs, strikeout per nine. If things stay the same or, or get better, the top three best ever strikeout per nine by our pitching staff is the last three years. By the way, K-State has only allowed 177 walks this year. How about that strikeout-to-walk ratio? That is the least amount of walks allowed in the Big 12 this season. All right, let's keep it rolling. Number five. Back to the walks, but this is K-State taking walks. So they actually slid down the leaderboard a little bit. The Batcats no longer lead the nation in walks. They're now fourth in the country. Oh, okay. Fourth in the country, but they have 304. Four walks this season, which is the most this century when it comes to a single season. Seventh most all time. They're six away from sixth place. Again, this one may be a little bit of a reach, but the record is 382. And that goes back to 1995. I would say if there's more, if, if there was another non con series, I think they could maybe uh, jump at the, make a nice jump at the leaderboard, but. With the teams they have waiting to play them, TCU and uh, and Oklahoma State, and then you would imagine Cats have a chance to get into regional regional play. It's going to be a much harder to get those walks, but they're still going to get their walks. That's how good K-State's been at the plate with their discipline, even though strikeouts are, of course, up a little bit now this year because of trying to take more walks. But they've been more successful with the walks than they have been failing because of the strikeout. Let's keep it rolling. Number four. Number four, back to the walks, and I'm going to single out Brady Day. What an improved player Brady Day has been. At the plate, stepping in at a role at second base, he's been great. Brady Day is third in the Big 12 with 45 walks. That is seventh all-time for an individual single season in K-State history. The record is 55. 55. Now, this one is reachable. This is a reachable goal for Brady Day. He may be. It'll be tough. Have to be pretty disciplined and not swing the bat. And I know he likes to swing the bat. But is the record's 55, so we need 10 more to tie it. Back in 1982 by Joe Godert. Again, kind of taking a guess on the name there, but uh, that's an old, old record. Now, number three. Really getting to the records I really like. Tyson Neighbors, closer for the Cats. He has nine saves on the year. Nine saves, six month all time, but I'm going to go further than that. His ERA this year is 1.01 in 35 and two-thirds innings. That is phenomenal. He has only allowed four earned runs in over 35 innings this year. Phenomenal number. Now, here's the thing. He'll have to put in some work because if, if Tyson Neighbors can get to 50 innings, it's possible. I mean, he is here and there thrown three innings of work. And earned a save. 
And it also depends on how much baseball K-State plays and if they're in a winning situation. I would imagine as well, you know, if it's a pretty big game, K-State needs the win and maybe they're down a run, throwing Tyson Neighbors into the situation just to get out of the innings defensively and get your offense back out there. Tyson Neighbors or Ty Rule would be the way to go most likely. So if Tyson Neighbors were able to hang on to that ERA and get to 50 innings, that'd be the single best ERA of all time. All time. Single best in a season, all time. Uh, the record is 1.09 by Wade Johnson, 1966. You go back a long time since you've seen a pitching performance like Tyson Neighbors, but the, the minimal innings is 50. Still some work to do to get there. Needs 14 innings, 14 and a third to be exact. Now, Number two. Number two on my list of K-State baseball records to watch for the rest of the year. Well, I think they'll get there this weekend, and that is road victories. K-State is 13-9 on the road this year. One more road win will get them to 14. We watched our Sesame Street growing up. That would be a season record. That would be a program record for road wins in a season. The record is 13 1991 2009, 2013, and obviously now 2023. The last time they got to 13 road victories, they won the Big 12. But finally, this is number one. This is by far my favorite stat. The number one record to watch as we head through the rest of the season is K State's current fielding percentage. This was brought up by Pete Hughes post game on Sunday. K-State's current fielding percentage is 978. If the season ended today, that would be the best fielding percentage in program history. And I've said it multiple times, like, you know, Nick Goodwin is a great example of improvement. Last year, too many errors, although he plays a tough, tough place in the field. At shortstop, tough place. He had 16 errors last year. He has four this year. That's a, that's a pretty solid improvement there. But I want to mention this. So K-State last year had 71 errors. This is another record that can be broken. This year, K-State has just 38 errors on the season. 38 And K-State's played in 49 games. That's pretty, pretty solid. So what's the record for least amount of errors in a season? Least amount. All time. When I say all time, I mean, records go back to the 50s. Okay. But it's still, you know, that's a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. We're talking over 70 years of record keeping here. But keep this in mind. 38 errors heading into this weekend against Oklahoma State. The least amount of errors K-State has had in a single season is 45. 1967 and 1968. And back then, and again, keep this in mind, K-State has played in 49 games this year and have 38 errors. Back when they had 45 errors in a season, that's back when they played 29 games a year. 29. That, to me, is such a gigantic stat when it comes to what you look at Improving from last year to this year is simply making plays in the infield. 
the ground balls, the line drives ahead your way, you know, sharply hit ground balls. Kalen Culpepper has shown off his athleticism this year. The plays he has made at third base and throwing to first, the the cannon that he has of an arm, I mean, it's every weekend he is making a play that will blow your mind. Kalen Culpepper has been money. Nick Goodwin has been money. And, of course, on the right side, Brady Day has been great. Roberto Pena has been great. But to me, that to me, that's the number. I, I know the walks are extremely high. Been doing a good job at the plate. Stolen bases have been huge. But to me, just limiting the opportunities, not making mistakes. That that's so key in being a good team. You know, good teams don't you know limit the mistakes. It's baseball. I mean, it'll happen once in a while. But when they're extremely limited, that to me is a great sign of obviously having a great team. Limiting the errors like that, though, we have never seen it since the records have been kept since the 1950s. All right, when we come back, let's get to the NFL because I know a lot of people were talking about this yesterday. I want to share my two cents on the NFL making some changing to broadcast rules. Up next. So the NFL is going to change a few things around, change a few rules on exactly what's going on with the TV broadcasts for the foreseeable future. So here are the changes and we get Troy's thoughts on this as well. The NFL will air a Black Friday game for the first time ever. So right up in competition with college football, all day uh-huh. college football. I mean, uh-huh. college football is going to dominate the day anyway. I don't see the point. I mean, it's going to. I mean, just kind of Thanksgiving already has three games, and that's fantastic. The thing is, though, I'm like, you know, doesn't that make? Isn't the Sunday going to be kind of lame now? They're lamer. Well, and it's also getting to the point where uh, college football, because of the way that the playoffs are structured, you've noticed the conflicts that are going to be in place there on the schedule, too. Yeah. The thing, like right now, like Friday college football is, well, it's it's a lot of rivalries. Mm -hmm. It's rivalry weekend in college football. Right. Of course, the Cats KU will play that, that Saturday. At least I believe I think that's it's Iowa State. This is year. it Iowa State this year? Okay. Yeah. I, I I I stopped myself for a second. I wasn't sure if that was exactly correct or not. I was looking at the schedule earlier, and I couldn't remember. But anyway, next on the list, teams can be on Thursday night football twice. So now that there's 17 regular season games and 32 teams, there will be have to be a couple of teams that play an extra game. Although I do kind of hate that rule. I hate that a team can play a couple of times on Thursdays, especially after it's such a short turnaround, unless they move them to, if it's a special thing like a Saturday game late in the season, and then they play on a Thursday, all right, I guess you got one more extra day. I hate the the quick turnaround in the NFL sometimes, though, for teams. When you have three days to prepare for another team, I don't like that at all. Don't like it whatsoever. I mean, as as a Cowboy fan, I'd be pretty upset if the Cowboys had to play twice on a Thursday, on a Thursday night. I think that'd be terrible. Not all teams are guaranteed to have a primetime slot. Thank you. It's about time. Because there's too many out there that get the opportunity to play primetime games. And I, I know they flex games like Sunday night football or whatever. But, like, it probably needs to happen more often. Put the best teams on primetime television. That's where you're going to get the most eyeballs. Most likely. 
Uh, and I don't know if does that change anything for Monday Night Football. I know a lot of teams get the opportunity to play Monday Night Football, but there's a lot of snoozers. A lot of snoozers for Monday Night. And then the last thing is teams no longer belong to a specific network. I mean, does that really change a whole lot? I'm trying to talk to you. Um, you know, it it changes the approach, I think, because we're so used to it being the NFC and AFC contracts. And now it kind of becomes just a just general, and I'm not sure how they're going to work out any potential conflicts between who wants to air which game. I mean, I think it's kind of neat that, uh, you know, with the Chiefs, I mean, it, it seems like we're it, always hearing Nance and Romo. True. It know? means it means the more likelihood that you'll get the Fox crew. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind hearing different crews do different games. I think I, I like to hear all the announcers. One of the things that stands out to me about that is just the historical aspect. When it was literally uh, assigned announcers for the teams. If it was a Green Bay game, you knew you were getting specific announcers it was you know back in the back in the 50s and 60s when that was developing it's become of course a bit more refined than that uh, over time to now where you know it's broken down afc nfc but yeah they that the, to me there's going to be some sort of battle over who gets stuck carrying a browns jacksonville game <laughs> It's not the the big. That might game, be a the, good game this year. the The big games are going to be the fight, but then there's going to be on the bottom end of it. Man, I don't want to carry that game. They're not going to saddle us with that. Come on. No, don't. I hope Jacksonville's really good this year. <laughs> that way, oh, they're, they got to they got to put Jacksonville in the primetime slots. I, I get your point, but yeah, I'm just saying. Can you, you're at the ends of the spectrum? You're going to get arguments. I think it'll be interesting to see how the NFL handles those. Let's take another quick break, and when we come back, so there might be a big change to the Chiefs' schedule, which, by the way, these all come out on Thursday because Kansas City's going to play a game in Germany this year, but the opponent right now is we're kind of unsure on who that's going to be because of the details coming up next. Good selection. Grassi. Yeah. It's Queensryche. Another rainy night. I love this song. I love Queensryche. Under, big time underrated band. And throw in what Mother Nature's thrown at us all day today, and it fits. Man, I used to, well. I, did you ever know, like, uh, Sean Rock and Drusifer, who used to work here? No. Ever hear of it? They're, they're now at yeah, uh, Colorado Springs. Yeah, they're down at uh, X, XP in Colorado Springs and uh, Kilo in Colorado Springs. Yeah. yeah. Well, Drusifer, we always used to argue about what's the best Queensryche album. I would always argue it's Empire, and you'd say it's Operation Mindcrime. This is from the Empire album. Empire. Hey, you're uh, NFL Empire, known as the world champion Kansas City Chiefs, are going to be defending their championship around the world officially. Now they can officially call themselves world champions because potentially in November they'll be playing a game in Germany. The question is who's going to be the opponent? It was initially slated to be the Chicago Bears. But Kansas City, as the designated home team, reserves the right to pick one opponent, one home opponent on their schedule 
to not play in Germany, in Munich. But apparently now the Chiefs don't want it to be the Bears. Because we don't know exactly why, but my guess would be, you know, Bears fans travel very well, the economic impact, selling tickets in Kansas City. Would they rather play somebody that doesn't follow quite well their opponent or their teams rather? That basically leaves you with two options. It's either going to be the Dolphins or the Lions. Both were, you know, a little over 500 last year, better than expected. I hope it's the Lions because I want the opportunity for Teddy Bridgewater and Tua Tungavailoa to get hurt again because they're extremely <laughs> injury prone and have the opportunity for Skylar Thompson to play in Arrowhead Stadium. So send the Lions to the game that you know, the least amount of eyeballs will be watching because it's so early in the morning. And when we come back, your local news and Jeff Mitty, head coach of the K-State women's basketball team, coming up next.